Hello, and welcome to the Vicar's Watch Dibley. The podcast where three priests link our stories to those of a Reverend Geraldine Granger and other TV vicars. I'm Kate. I'm Jenny. And I'm Ruthie. We're all back! And it's our birthday! So we have been going for a year and that's amazing. So what we're doing in this episode is we're looking back at the very first episode of Vicar Dibley and also asking some of the questions that you wonderful people have asked us and giving some very wise and thoughtful answers to them. I really hope that hasn't woken up my toddler because we are recording this in the evening. We are one year old. It's our anniversary. Uh, We celebrated it partly on social media recently, but it's uh, this Friday when it comes out. It's kind of a year since our first full episode came Mm. out and it was previously a year since our first kind of introduction episode came out. Uh, And so, yeah, uh, this is bonkers and we're going to explain what we're going to do in a moment but first of all as we often do let's start with a how are we and I'm going to ask you to because uh in the the words of Hugo Horton in an episode where uh he uh, doesn't want to swear in front of the vicar Mm -hmm. and therefore uses a different different word that sounds like the word um I've had a a ducking bad week and let's move on from that so let's ask you guys how your week has been Jenny how's your week been okay my week has been uh probably better than yours um I think January (laughs) is sorry darling um it's been um yeah January is always a good time to look at the year I think I mean most like good vicars will do this in like Jan no sorry like December planning vision for the year ahead not me baby I'm last minute so I'm feeling pretty fired up thinking about all that is to come this year and planning preparing praying through all of that sort of stuff yeah busy bit tired but actually yeah quite excited that's probably where I am this week Whoop whoop. And how about you, Kate? I am tired. I've been going through <laughs> I've been going through a fatigue spell, which is kind of related to my chronic illness, but also it's January, so post December crash. Yeah. Um but I'm also just feeling really invigorated mentally because I've been learning Welsh. Um, <gasps> just on Duolingo, but I'm feeling quite proud of it. Um there are other other ways to learn the Welsh. Um, <laughs> the apps, apps are, are available. Also available. Um, yeah. But I, I'm very basic things at the moment. I can say um, Borida, which is good morning, and Borida, which is good evening. Um, and I can say Dwi Vim and Butter Kaus. I do not eat cheese. <laughs> <laughs> All I mean, what else things. do you need? Yeah, yes, and, and need. if you're wondering, you think it's a bit random, but I'm learning Welsh. Um, I do. I live on the border with Wales, and I've had a few funerals where there's been quite a lot of Welsh words and like Welsh families. And um, for, for some reason, people seem to think I have. Oh, I do have Welsh ancestry, but I'm, my Scottish ancestry is stronger. Um, but people just, I don't know. I just, I just feel like I need to connect with my Welsh roots, oh, um, my mum's side of the family, and. 
then Welsh. It's like, what, 400 years since my family was Welsh, but, you know. <laughs> okay, quite, quite. Some deep roots. Deep, yeah. deep, yeah. deep roots, yeah. Deep roots. <laughs> Wonderful. So we're in a celebratory mood today because we think it's bonkers that we've got to a year and actually yeah. there are people listening to us still and it's not just our mums. So we're very grateful <laughs> for that. Uh, so perhaps some of us have a little tipple to celebrate. So this might get interesting with editing. But mm. what we thought we would do today is have a little look back at our origin story and look Mm. back, have a flashback to episode one and have our thoughts kind of changed uh, about the things that happened in that episode and how have we developed uh, now that we've done almost two seasons or over two seasons of of The Vicar of Dibley. We're way over halfway through. Um, So uh, having a look back and seeing how that how everything's developed and changed but we also asked you to throw in a load of questions at us and mm. there is a mixed bag of questions so we're also going to do a Q&A as part of that too so how how did you find it going back and watching the first episode again was it like returning to a familiar friend or does it feel like we've overanalyzed everything how did you find it <laughs> You know, it was really interesting because I was thinking, oh, I don't know if I'm actually going to spot anything you're different from when we first discussed it. But actually, it did feel like we gained some perspective, like we've journeyed with Geraldine mm. and we've grown with her. And mm. so going back, you watch it and you think, oh, that's strange. Like, that's yeah. different to how Geraldine, Geraldine was handling this in later seasons or these characters have grown and... Um, isn't it lovely to see Mrs. Cropley? I know. Yeah. How about you, Jenny? How did you find it? Well, to be honest, I've got a bit of a confession. You know how Vicar of Dibley is always on over Christmas and New Year and like reruns? Well, um, <laughs> I didn't, I haven't watched any Vicar of Dibley for like about a month. So um, I know, I, I feel like confessional booth is relevant here. So um, yeah, I definitely feel like you said, going back home to a beautiful place of familiarity um but yeah i think like you say kate it's interesting to be where we are and then look back at the beginning yeah we've kind of we've been analyzing geraldine's journey up to i think have we reached season three yet we're about to start season three right yes um we've done bits of it yeah (laughs) so um we've jumped around a little bit with some other episodes and yeah i found it really funny going back and Mm. watching it again so like the beginning scene of this episode which is in the service where Mm. uh, the previous vicar dies i'd forgotten uh, but re-remembered because we've watched it that david's a surgeon and so why didn't he, his doctor instincts <gasps> kick in and go, yeah. oh, there's a dead man Because <laughs> that's only something we learn. And that was like a little Easter egg in one of the later episodes, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Like, one of the, the letters after his name, he's part of a Royal College of Surgeons or something. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like, he didn't help. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think that is a, probably a classic example of where we do read too much into the episodes, because they obviously just added that in later on, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Just didn't think well, about when- it. Well, yes, but Jenny, the whole point of the podcast is that we overanalyze the episodes. I, I only realised that about five episodes ago. <laughs> the whole point of this podcast I've just been enjoying it. Yeah. Oh, I've been it. I've just been enjoying it and thinking about my own life like a big selfish vicar. <laughs> I've just been using this for like, not for like therapeutic reasons. Yeah, me too. It's all good. Um, yeah. That that first scene as well. I'm looking at a congregation. Um, I don't think I've ever actually looked properly at the congregation there and it's registered who's there. 
because we have uh, Mrs. Crockley playing the organ, we have Frank, and then we have Hugo and David Horton, and then Miss Alice and Reverend Pottle. Mm. Um, and I think I said in our very first episode how confused I am by the entity that is the parish council and yeah. how it, just, it functions as the parochial church council, but it is the parish council. And I have come to the conclusion, I feel like I have an answer to my eternal question. <laughs> um, I have come to the conclusion it's because the people who would be on the parish council, so Frank, David, Hugo, Mrs. Cropley, are essentially the... who would be on the parochial church council, sorry. They are essentially... they are the parish council, give yeah. or take. We've, I mean, we told Owen occasionally comes to church as well. Um, so, they are the same body yeah. therefore why would they have two separate meetings true say so it's not exactly legal in the church of england to do this but they have um merged those two bodies maybe merged. they're separate meetings meeting like consecutively who knows exactly the i same feel like time. i've reached catharsis and resolution i'm really pleased for you actually my, 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 my deep unrest and unease wow. has been answered. and you and you're generously sweeping that across the nation as well like others no, can I'm now sharing. rest i don't because... know if you can feel just a deep peace i feel yeah, in my soul I actually can. i'm looking at you and being like yeah well done i feel zen i've reached yeah. enlightenment <laughs> whereas i watched this episode and suddenly realized that Frank Pickle always has a lovely array of stationery with him. And that's the thing that I picked <laughs> oh, up from there. I miss He's got that. like a highlighter and some mm. erasers or rubbers and, and a selection mm. of different pens and, and tipex and, and a stapler. And I just, I admire that as a fellow stationery mm. lover. Yeah, so I love that. that yeah. was great. Um, Let's talk about that parish council scene then. Because mm. did you, I, mean, I felt when I watched it, like I had a sense of, oh, this is different. This isn't what we're used to. Like yeah. I think we've gotten so used in the later seasons. The parish council are such friends. And we've had evidence in their meetings of like, they've had food brought to them. They've been meeting for hours and they've been having a good time. Whereas this first meeting, mm. um, Frank calls David Sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. And um, I think some of, some of them refer to each other by surname, Mr. So-and-so. Yeah, and it's, it's very formal, formal, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, Mrs. Cropley barely, sa- barely says anything. Hugo yeah. barely says anything. Yeah, and I think it highlights again the power that David initially mm. has and the big journey that David goes on and the effect, the Geraldine effect that mm. happens uh, throughout the seasons. And, and David is very power hungry. And we see that in the kind of beginning of the episode. He controls the things and people have fake laughs at his jokes and that kind of thing and they don't see a different way and then the the jerry change of how he softens and we, we've not even seen the full effect of that yet yeah. um and mm. that becomes even more a bigger thing in the later episodes um but yeah, yeah. david I, changes massively well, doesn't he we, we does. see how geraldine's over the course of a few seasons Geraldine's individual relationships with each of the members of a parish ta- council, um, how that changes the atmosphere, but also how her doing that causes the rest of the parish council to be better friends with each other. Yeah, um, it's lovely. I want to disagree with you about David Horton. <gasps> oh, go on then. Oh, like because it's Mr. Collins all over oh, again. It's Mr. Oh. Collins all over again. <laughs> I've got attention <laughs> I think, having watched his redemption arc so far, mm. and his growth so far, which he does have a 
growth. I came back to this first episode with a much more positive opinion of David Horton, less of a um, prejudice against him. Pride and Prejudice, um, nice callback. That's a, nod. That's a nice callback. <laughs> um, so when I was watching this, I had in my head, well, David's fundamentally a softy inside. And fundamentally, he does want the best for the community. Yes, he has his own vested interest at heart, and he follows this sense of um, ethics. What was I think it's called e- egocentric morality or something like that, where I have a moral responsibility to do what's best for me. If something is good for me and will benefit me, then it's moral. There's... I recently watched a video essay about this. Let's not get into it. Um, <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't about David Horton. It was about another TV show. But um, the... So, yes, he has skewed morals and ethics. But I think what I saw in this episode, he has a genuine desire for the life of this village to be rejuvenated. He wants um, someone dynamic to be appointed as vicar. He's used his power potentially as the patron of a parish, potentially, or as a person who's essentially paying the parish share to influence the bishop to send someone dynamic Mm. and someone young. Um, And he's looking forward to working with whoever that person is. Now, unfortunately, as soon as a woman is appointed, (laughs) that goes out of a window, but there is an initial hope there yeah. That as much as David is a flawed character and he wields his power, um, he at the same time has great potential for good in him. Abs- yeah, I, I would agree with mm. you. He was just hoping that it would be a male counterpart yeah. who would let him do his thing. Allow him <laughs> to, to flourish. Do the thing. Mm. A male, a male counterpart. Be sounds like a euphemism, doesn't it? For, <laughs> yeah. uh, for a partner. <laughs> mm. Um, the other person that we wanted to talk about as well was mm. Alice and the transformation of Alice that happens throughout this because she's she's so well she's really competent doing the service isn't she at the beginning mm. but she's very timid and shy and she calls Jerry mum when she first meets her and mm. and all this kind of stuff and that the vestry scene um, where you just see the beginnings of their friendship and it's very the power dynamic is very different and that changes. And yes, there's still that power dynamic later on, but they, it was really lovely looking at old friends and how they began meeting again. Can you imagine if we could be the, like fly on the wall of looking at us three meeting for the first yeah, time again nice and going, oh, um, uh, and just, yeah, just that relationship blooming and blossoming. Mm. It was, it was fun to see the beginning of that. Definitely. I think with both of these things, like, it's almost worth putting a pin in these for now and sort of saying, like, that is, I mean, really, you you actually see discipleship unfold in this series. Like, there's not really many standout moments that you go, Vicar of Dibley, yes, of course, it's about a vicar, it's Christian. It's got Mm. lots of Christian themes. And there are times when, you know, we see Jerry praying a little line or two. And there are some real, like, kind of uh, evidenced christian ethics and lifestyle choices and those kinds of things that matter Mm. um but really actually it's almost in the stuff that's not said but it's just seen or just kind of assumed and i think with david's relationship with the whole relationship like you said of the parish council definitely with alice as well this is what this is like the work of discipleship 
And a vicar well-placed in their community naturally mm. encourages communities to open, to flourish, to bind together. Yeah. And people naturally become more confident in their walk of faith. Their hearts soften. They actually mm. love each other. Mm. Like, she's doing her job so beautifully. Yeah. And it's all in the stuff that's not said. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I think, I think that's, that's pretty cool. I think that's actually what we see as well. So one of the big kind of memorable moments of that first episode is where everyone turns up at, her first, at Jerry's first service. Yeah. Um, and if you look at what she's been doing in that episode, it's a really quick throwaway, but she comes to her first parish council meeting saying, I've just been visiting my parishioners. Yeah. So part of me mm. wonders, although, although there will have been people who came just to see how the last turned out, you know, for that first service, and everyone turns up for any vicar's, new vicar's first service to see... Are we going to like them? Are we going to buy in to what they're selling us? But I think her first instinct is to build relationship. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and she puts that's... in the literal legwork, doesn't she? She yeah. goes around to the yeah. parish and gets to know mm. people. And they think, uh, mm. what's her line? She says something about, I think they'd be more surprised if it was Mr. Blobby. Yeah, <laughs> was yeah that's so true. <laughs> but but that. She, she builds those relationships and it's beautiful. Yeah, she goes onto the front lines and she um she does the work and yeah. the sort of work which I wish I could do, but you know, it's okay when you've got one village it's, it's <laughs> a bit yeah. harder when you got five, um, yeah. plus change. Um But like Geraldine herself, but also she grows over those few seasons we've already watched. So this first episode she comes in and I got a sense that she's coming knowing she's going to have a hard time. And so that's why she does the hard work. She immediately says, I need to make these relationships. I'm going to sh- prove that I'm worth my salt. Mm. Um, and you can see that she's got her kind of her battle mask on. You yeah. know, she's got her defences up of using her humour, using her personability, um, really showing, you know, like anything you throw at me is going to bounce off because I'm sure of who I am and why I'm here, and I'm going yeah. to charm the socks out of every single one of you. Um, <laughs> and we see in series to come that she settles into who she is, and she's more open about just her whole self um, in later in later seasons. Um, we get hints of it in this episode, where she reveals to Alice a little bit more of her less standard humour and her crunchy bars, and you see that first opening up with Alice before yeah. everyone else. Um, but, you know, I think there's huge growth in Geraldine as she grows in confidence and security of who she is and where she is. And yes, I think that she goes a bit too far the other end of being a bit too open with her flaws in later seasons, but she learns from that and she comes back from it. Um, she yeah. begins this, like, she's in super professional mode, yeah. doesn't she? And I yeah. think she's been warned about some of this stuff, but then she has the the surprise of the letter that, mm. within the course of a week, yeah. it seems, she's arrived, David and the parish council have drafted a letter to say that she should disappear. Mm. She has her first service, everyone turns up and she wins over her her kind of key team Mm. and that's a week (laughs) can you imagine happening like that in our ministry and it's Mm. it's a massive change that she goes through and it's amazing that she she mostly wins people over immediately Mm. that's not how it works in real life at all um but it's such a 
yeah, it's it's a delight to see the Geraldine effect going on through mm. it, and mm. yeah, it's yeah, I love that. It is, it's yeah, it's it's lovely to see her do her thing. And because we couldn't go through an episode without Kate having a a fact <laughs> that me and Jenny just didn't even think to look at, or we thought about it and went, ah, Kate will do that. Didn't okay. even think. Kate, sorry, it was some hymn number knowledge uh, for Pulled the final service because you've you've gone back and done your research. Gone back and done my research. I didn't pick this <laughs> up the first Kate. time we looked at this episode. Um, yes, this is called Hymns with Kate. Do we need a theme song? Am I being notes? outrageous if I suggest do we need? A it theme should song be in Welsh, this? whatever it is. Oh yeah, it is. <laughs> What's the, Kate? Do you know the Welsh for hymns by any chance? Literally. I'm stuck at the moment on like dragon, and I do not like parsnips, and <laughs> I, I'm go, I'm doing the ironing. Like that's the, that's the level okay, of wealth okay. I'm at. Well, um, next time. Okay, hymns with Kate. So, um, didn't pick this up. I didn't pick this up the first time we looked at this episode. But in the final scene of episode one, Geraldine announces so some hymns, and because I am a massive nerd, I thought, hmm, I wonder if those <laughs> hymn numbers are right. <laughs> Um, so and, are about, they? and are they? Don't leave us hanging. So, and how did you, you choose which hymn book? Like I know which well, one you went for. Well, I, I took why, a risk, how? and I thought most likely it's going to be hymns ancient and modern. Mm. Most likely, so I thought I'll start with that, and if it's not, I'll give up. I, I, that was kind of the <laughs> level I was at when I was doing this. Um, I was lucky because I was correct. Um, so I opened up hymns ancient and modern. Um, our first episode that is called is 199, which was Immortal, Invisible, Godly-wise. That hymn number is correct. Interesting. Correct. Can we applaud that? Um, <laughs> Good work, showrunners. Yes. Yeah. Then the second hymn um, after Geraldine's sermon is 300... Mm-hmm. Which was guide me, O thou great redeemer. Guide me, O thou great redeemer. Always sounds better in a Welsh accent. Always sounds better in Welsh. Mm. Seriously, Ramdi's parts always a cracker. If you like, you can't <sighs> oh, go wrong. Yeah. If you've got a big service, pick that pick that hymn. Mm. Um, it's yeah. not hymn number three hundred. <gasps> however, no claps for that. However, on the hymn numbers board behind oh. Geraldine. Oh. Um, it has some hymn numbers. It has the hymn numbers 214 and 75. Just those two. Would you two? believe that 214 is Guide Me, O Val Great <gasps> And And number 75 is The Day of Resurrection, which firstly leads me to believe that um, this was filmed around Eastertide. Um, so we now know when Geraldine arrived it was around Easter Um, Uh, poignant powerful and good isn't that poignant powerful and good there's there's good imagery there it's good it works but then there's there's also something is I'm I'm wondering how on earth the script got the number wrong but whoever was doing the set got it right so I wonder Mm. whether whoever is actual church warden in that church who was there kind of helping them do the filming, whatever, saw what hymns they were having. <gasps> and, theory. And kind of did the hymn board accordingly. Because we don't see the top of the hymn board, so there's a good chance that it could have had 
Are you suggesting there was a church warden on site to yes. legitimise? I think the there recordings. must have been a church warden. I'm not sure I can do that Someone on site checking <laughs> there must that they weren't putting marks who was... in the wrong place. <laughs> someone in in charge of the That's church. That's very funny. Like someone did that hymn numbers board, or just a, an incredible coincidence. Yeah. I mean, I think it's more than coinky dink. I have to say. <laughs> Hand of the Lord, change those hymn numbers. <laughs> I mean, I'm not throw- I'm not ruling that out, sister. I'm not ruling it out. <laughs> so, I think to sum up, as watching the episode again, I think we all enjoyed looking at it and seeing the mm. development and where characters were at and and where they are now, where we're up to, um, and it was it was just nice and nostalgic to go see mm. one of our favourite mm. episodes again. Just love it. Just love it. I just love it. Should we answer some questions? Yeah. Let's answer some questions. We have got a whole Party series time. of questions here, which uh, have been asked by you lot, our lovely listeners, some of whom we know in real life uh, and some of whom we don't, um, which is amazing and really weird mm. and bizarre. And so thank you so much for those who sent uh, questions in. We haven't been able to answer all of them um, because there were... <laughs> surprising number um uh, which is really great thank you so much mm. so i think should we start with question number one what do we miss about pre-ordination life oh that's a christmas cracker mm. weekends i think is my Ooh, answer that's a really good one not every sunday and saturday planning for and preparing mm. for sunday having a weekend I do miss having a weekend that's a yeah. really good one I think for me the two that came to mind was like the two things that are such a privilege it's like you know how your strengths can become your weaknesses mm. it's a bit like that so for me like I used to love having no responsibility like I love <laughs> that I love that and also I used to love just walking around the world as myself mm. um that sounds a bit sad I, th- I just mean this is a this is a public ministry and actually you are, you're theirs all the time. And that's a beautiful mm. thing. And I love it. And I'm honoured. And it is a privilege. But sometimes I get a bit tired as well. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Kate? Um, so I think what I miss is, you know, I love my job. I know I'm doing the right thing. Um, but the highs in this job are so high, like lovely. But the lows are so low. And yeah. it is a roller coaster of stress. Um, <laughs> and... Yeah. I, if I miss anything about from when I was a teacher, it was just like, it was just a nice baseline of stress. I was stressed. I wasn't happy. But, you know, it was, I could anticipate, like, I could live, <laughs> like, it was just, that was just how life was, right? Mm. Um, I wouldn't go back to it. But, and, and actually, you know, it was a baseline. So the stress was never as bad as it is in this job. But it was also, I didn't have the lovely high moments that I have in this job. Um, mm. So... Yeah, I think what I miss the most is not having to deal with the sheer amounts of stress that you can that you can get. A lot of the um a lot of the crap that's thrown at you in this job, kind of emotionally and random stuff that's suddenly thrown at you. I miss not having to manage churchyards. <laughs> Gosh, yeah. One thing I really um I love about this job and kind of on the flip side, I would really miss if I had to go back to teaching or whatever. Um when I was teaching, every day just felt the same, every week felt the same, and it felt like time just 
bleh, just mm. disappeared. Whereas this job, every day is different, every week is different, mm, and as much yeah. as that can be stressful, it's also joyful and releasing yeah. because you can just allow yourself. As I said, you, you flow with with things in a way which I think you're not necessarily working to targets or assessment in the same way mm. that you might in other jobs. Yeah. So our next question is, what would your dream role in the church be? <gasps> Jenny, you have an answer for this one. Yes, you? I do. And I don't, I hope that no one in my mm. diocese is listening. I don't want anyone to think I'm like punting after their job. My dream role, Bishop. and I've known this. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. My dream role, and I've known this since I encountered my own, I'd love to be a curate training officer. So the person who is alongside curates, cheering them on, forcing them to do loads of absolutely crazy paperwork um pastoral support teaching just general like encouraging them finding them placement supporting them oh i love that job so much cto curate training officer mm. that would be my dream job i think although obviously mm. parish priest right now is a genuine dream come true but if i was heading somewhere that's where i'd like to go Aww. although can i also say i also really enjoy vocational formational stuff so if mm. the lord is listening like DDO would be great fun as well. <laughs> <laughs> no. One day in the future. Yeah, one day in the future. Mm. Yeah. DDO. I really struggled to think of this, so I haven't got an answer. Yeah, neither do I. I try not to think too much about like <laughs> just in general about this. Overrated. I think because growing up, I've had so many times because my dad's a bishop. I've had so many people be like, oh, you're going to be a bishop too later, aren't you? And so my, my reaction to that is, no, I'm not thinking beyond my current role. Like, maybe, mm. maybe run a retreat centre. Oh, that would be amazing. Uh, like, be I, that might be quite a nice... Yeah. I might quite enjoy that. That would um, be a lovely... be um I'd quite like to be a liturgist. That's <gasps> someone who writes yeah. liturgy. Yeah. I could see that as well. Do that, Kate. Like, um... Maybe vocation support as well, yeah. something like that. But, <gasps> I um, want to do yeah. all of these roles. I'm just greedy. I'm a big greedy role lady. I'd love to be chaplain, <laughs> chaplain to a religious community. Oh. Oh. Or, or, to be honest, back to, going back to university chaplaincy would be quite nice mm, as well. Or but even anyway, school. Anyway, yeah, you're right. I don't I have a do single dream long. role. Um, just fa- vague directions I could travel. Yeah, I love that. Nice to be open. I see what the Holy mm. Spirit says, eh? Mm. Um <laughs> absolutely <laughs> question number three then this one might challenge our brains a bit barring jerry who is our favorite fictional priests where shall i go to kate what about you yes. uh i think I, I may have said this before but um father brown was one of my like pivotal moments of i want to be a parish priest whoa <laughs> like, okay not like for being loads of murders i have to solve but it's just something about that place in the community and being known and trusted so yeah father brown for me on a slightly similar note i think i would go for any of the vicars that are in midsummer murders (laughs) (laughs) because i love midsummer murders which for international listeners is like a a murder mystery, or, or other people that have or other seen, people sorry. who in this country haven't watched it. How weird! Um, <laughs> who are they? Uh, yeah, sorry. it mm-hmm. is um, like a, a police show that's uh, to mm-hmm. it's set in the countryside, and that there are a lot of ridiculous murders in Midsummer mm-hmm. Murders, and if there's a vicar in it, 
either they're really weird or they're the murderer. And so I always <laughs> find those fun you. to watch. <laughs> yeah. Well, as just in case you don't know, but Father Brown is also a murder mystery series um, based on books by is it G.K. Chesterton? Um, I think so. Um, and anyway, he is a Catholic priest uh, in a village um, who solves murders. Wow. So me and Kate like murder. What about you, Jenny? <laughs> well, I've gone a bit of a different way. Um, I think I've spoken before on the podcast about how much I love the television series Rev with the Reverend Adam Smallbone. And yeah. um, I just find him so honest, so relatable. And I literally laugh and cry my way through that series. Um, I, I really love his portrayal of ministry and I just think it's really good. So he's my number one. Can I confess that I had a number two? Well, I feel like I should confess because it's genuinely a fictional yellow man. I blooming love. <laughs> I love Ned Flanders. And I know he's not a, vi- a fictional vicar, but the, the, <laughs> the author of this question wrote fictional vicar or similar. I think Ned Flanders is amazing. He's a good guy. He's constantly got the mick taken out of him, but he's nonstop lovely. He is likable. He's a loving husband. He's a great dad. He's on everyone's side. And I've recently, um, my a family member of mine was saying, uh, please, can we watch Ted Lasso on Apple TV? Sorry, I know this is a oh, bit of a sidetrack. I'd to watch that. Yeah. It's really good. And we've got a, like a, 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 a mini subscription. And I really think the main guy is uh, so like Ned Flanders and it's reinvigorated my love for him. So in terms of like pillar Christian leaders, Ted Lasso slash Ned Flanders. I know I know for some people that's like a real jump and it doesn't make sense. But also Reverend Adam Smallbone. <laughs> very good. Very mm. good. This next question, thanks to the person who sent us in. <laughs> they definitely hate us. Yeah, absolutely. Just kidding. Which was, which atonement theory do you think Geraldine believes? Kate, <laughs> you can answer this one and explain what atonement theory is. Yeah, so atonement theory is basically um theological study of what we think happened on the cross. What did Jesus' death achieve? So, there are various different theories of atonement. Um, I've got a website open here. I don't just know this off the top of my head. Um, <laughs> Reassuring, thank you. Um, the moral influence theory, which mm. is the idea that Jesus' death was the culmination of Jesus' moral teaching. Um, that it's sort of a lesson which teaches us kind of about conduct in life and it's a consequence of his radical teaching and the consequence of his life um so how many are there there's quite a lot series yeah i feel well, like... i think this list has seven so i'm gonna go through <laughs> um second is the um ransom theory uh, yeah. um which is paying basically paying the ransom price um which is was a result of the fall Oh. Um, uh, yep, that's a ransom theory. Um, means we're or redem- redemption is that we are being bought back mm. from evil through the cross. Mm. Um, Christus Victor, um, apparently considered to be the dominant theory for most of the historical Christian church. Um, Je- Jesus dies to defeat the powers of evil, sin, death, and the devil. Mm. Take that, Sat- Satan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Satisfaction theory, which is what um, we kind of use when we 
pray the Book of Common Prayer, Eucharistic prayer, um, that um, the Jesus' death is to satisfy the justice of God, full, full perfect and sufficient sacrifice mm. for the sins of the whole earth. That's the Book of Common Prayer, that's Anselm. The penal substitution theory, um, basically uh, Jesus takes all of our punishment for sin on himself, on the cross. Um, governmental theory, which is apparently a variation of penal substitution held in Methodism. Um, uh -huh. Jesus' death on the cross demonstrates the displeasure of God towards sin. Oh. Um, then there's the scapegoat theory, which mm. um, Jesus is not a sacrifice, but a victim yeah. um, killed by humanity. Um, it's really hard to say what Geraldine would believe because it's really hard not to project yeah. her own beliefs. If we go to Church of England, you know, maybe she's all about that satisfaction of the sins because that's Book of Common Prayer. She probably prays that communion prayer every Sunday. Um, maybe moral influence. It, I, Vicar, I, Vicar so secular, maybe it's more moral, influ moral influence. Jenny, have you got a theory then? Well, not really. But going off of what I vaguely remember from university and Caitlin's epic mm. reminder, I wonder if um, Christus Victor, because she's so confident in what Jesus did on the cross that although like choice and faith is important, mm. she's like, I know it's all going to be sorted. And yeah. maybe that brings in the element of not stressing, like, guys, you have to repent. Mm. Otherwise, you are going to be eternally separated from the Father. And yet she is always keen that people obviously do grow in their faith and, you know, come to church, know the Lord. Yeah, or maybe... I'm trying lives. to remember what she said when she was summarising the gospel in, um, in the Christmas episode. Oh, yeah. She said... Um, he died for our sins. She did uh, say that. He was brutally crucified for simply telling people to love one another. So maybe she's oh, a scapegoat. scapegoat. Yeah. Oh. To be fair, all of them are mm. of and each other in a way, aren't they? They're different faces of the same diamond. Not that well, Jesus on the cross is a diamond. I mean, you, well, can get in, you can get into huge debates about atonement. And that's why the person who asked this theory. question hates us. Because so, it's yeah, so the, for, for, for relevance, the person who asked this question is our dear friend, Ross. Yeah, we love you, Ross. God God love you, Ross. God, God loves love you, you. Ross. <laughs> yeah. And all of us. And if you're called Ross and you're listening, yeah, and, God loves you. And, and please, you know, we've really done broad strokes on atonement theory. I've owned mm. up, I've had to bring up a website. Like, we've got we've got stuff wrong. Yeah, Just, sorry, I'm going to look at uh, this again. Broad sorry, confession, really. broad confessional. We know we've gotten stuff wrong here, so... Yeah. Get off our backs, it's late yeah, and we're tired. Guys, just <laughs> I've, been a I've been in a meeting all day, I don't have the energy. Right, next is Questiano. Who's got one? Uh, I think I'm the one asking this one. Um, oh, yeah. So our next question is, who is a real-life woman priest who inspires you? Really? Mm. This is cheesy and a bit of a suck-up, but I genuinely would have said the wonderful, glorious... Rev Kate Botley, who we had the absolute delight to speak to on this podcast. Mm. And she has been a person who has just, has done similar things to Jerry in lots of ways. Have gone, do you know what? Women priests are normal and they're mm. fun. And 
they have their weird quirks and they they mess stuff up and get stuff wrong but actually that they're normal human beings and so rev kate we love you we think you're brilliant mm. and you inspire us mm, that's cute that's true mm. speak on behalf of us all but that's definitely yeah. to me yeah. and i think it's the case for you guys too mm. how about you yeah. Jim? Well, for sure. My first thought was actually my the like local women in my deanery, oh. and just slightly beyond. Actually, I've written their names down because um, I don't know. I really wanted to think about them. Um, their vulnerability, yet their kindness, their like genuine relying on God and the joy that they give through their ministry. I get to witness like at meetings and like social catch ups, but also like on Facebook with updates. And I'm just like, wow. Mm. So I've literally written a list of one, two, three, four, five, six local women in my deanery and just beyond who I love and adore. Um, but I've also written down three names of people in like more senior positions in the church. Bishop Emma Einson, who um, wrote a great mm. book on ambition. She did a priesting retreat for us. And I think she's a wonderful uh, example of uh, like great leadership, wisdom, and expertise. Also, Isabel Hamley and Karis Walsh as well. Um, just had links with them in learning previously or in diocese stuff. And again, just think that their wisdom, their faithfulness, their generosity in what they do uh, is really inspiring. So those are sorry, that's like eighty five thousand people. But what I think what I'm trying to say is, I used to have zero examples of any women in ministry mm. and now i'm like wow we're surrounded by them isn't that awesome oh yeah yeah how about you kate so um like you there's been loads of women um through my training um through who i work with now who are huge inspirations i need to give a shout out to sue sarah and sean who were um part of a team at my uh, second curacy church who kind of took me in and kind of help me learn about being a woman in the job mm. um but my kind of my key inspiration um someone I always like to bring up um is Lee Timoy um you probably haven't heard of her um English name Florence she was the first woman to be ordained to the priesthood in the Anglican communion yeah. on the 25th of January 1944 in Hong Kong um, um, he caused great debate because it was done during wartime um, without the permission of... Um, it was at the time when Hong Kong was a diocese in the Church of England rather than its own province. So it caused huge debate and unfortunately for her, ended up in her giving up her licence essentially um, in the longer term. But um, I've had the privilege because I lived in Hong Kong for a bit... Um, I visited her parish church in Macau. Mm, um, really cool. So, um, Lee Tamoy, um, know her name, and there is a charity called the Lee Tamoy Foundation that I want to plug, who um, they uh, raise money to support women um, pursuing ordained ministry and theological education mm. in parts of the world where that's quite hard to to do. So really cool. Foundation. Let's check it out. Really good. Really good. And also to be really cheesy, I think you guys inspire me <gasps> as well. Oh, and our chat. Oh, 
are great inspirations and oh it's oh the cringe is overwhelming (laughs) but love you ladies i'm feeling like that emoji that's doing that little smug like cute little comfy smile with all those hearts around it that's how i feel right now Right. Um, we're going to take a bit of a turn in our questions now. Ruthie, I think we're going to come to you for this one. Mm. What place does doubt have in Christianity? I think doubt is a really important thing to have in Christianity, I would personally say. And um, I am one of these people who questions faith. And I don't think I've ever had a moment where I've gone oh, well, it can't all be real at all then, and I just don't believe it ever, uh, like nothing of it. But I think it is really important to wrestle with faith and go, do you know what, God, are you really there? And what's Mm. going on? And I'd like to plug a book that I have not read (laughs) because it is not out yet. But a friend of mine, her name is Kat, uh, Kat Wordsworth, has written a book. She's got an Instagram page, which is called About Doubt. And she's written a book called Let's Talk About Doubt. And it's coming out soon. And I know Kat Mm. and I trust Kat. And she has had this massive wrestle with doubt and Christianity and faith. And she's got this book coming out. And I can't wait to read it because it's going to be bloody brilliant uh, because Kat's written it. And... um, I think if doubt is something that's going on for you in your own faith and you're either either you've never been to church and you're thinking there's no way this stuff can be real or you've never kind of thought about faith in that way and you're going, no way, this can't happen. Or if you've been to church for years and going, actually, do I really believe this stuff? Wrestle with it. Ask people. Ask questions. Mm. Um, doubt isn't something to be afraid of. Uh I think blind faith is more something to be afraid of. I'd love to be one of these people who just kind of is so assured in their faith that they're just like, yep, I know it, I believe it all the time, but I'm not one of those people. And so I think doubt's an important part of faith. Mm, Really encouraging, thank you. I'd like to share one of my favourite quotes um, about doubt. Um, Be patient towards all that is unsolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves like locked rooms and like books that are now written in a very foreign tongue. Do not now seek the answers which cannot be given to you because you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live the questions now. Perhaps you will then gradually, without noticing it, live along some distant day into the answer. Mm. and that's uh, nice. Raina Maria Rilke um, so it's just one of my favourite okay mm. we're, we're uh, chipping and chopping all over the place with these questions because we're trying to do like Vicar Dibley ones and then life and, and faith ones so we're going back to a Vicar Dibley one um, <laughs> now and uh, the question that we have uh, we got given was would we be able to put up with the villagers of Dibley? Kate? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I think maybe what people don't realise is just how real these characters are. I mean, everyone mm. likes to think, oh, they're exaggerated character- caricatures. No, like, no, no. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes not. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes not. Um, every parish has characters. And... Um, yeah, you live with the people that you have and you love the people you have. Um, the characters in Dibley are familiar and perhaps sometimes it would be easier to work with them because we know them and we know what to expect from them. <laughs> <laughs> Every yeah, church true. has a David Horton, doesn't mm. it? 
Yeah, I think you're right. I think you summed it up really well. I think there are those people that there are little aspects of, um, like all of the characters, you can see in aspects of people. And I hope, actually, we carry traits of Jerry wherever we go as well. Yeah. Next question. Um, what has been the most enjoyable moment on your journey to date? Ruthie. I wasn't sure with this question whether we're talking about faith journey or ordination journey or podcast journey. So I'm going to talk about podcast journey. And I I think one of my favourite moments for this was realising that there were actually people listening who we didn't know mm-hmm. um, and just thinking that that was so bizarre and wonderful mm-hmm. and what a privilege and what a responsibility that is. And um, having this as a place where we talk we laugh together, but we talk honestly about how ministry is and the ups and downs of it and giving a snapshot into what life is actually like as a rev, um, I think is a real, yeah, it's a real privilege and an honour. And that moment where we went, oh, goodness me, there's people listening in the States and we got emails from people um, in different countries was amazing. And so, yeah, that's bonkers. And thank you so much. And that's been one of the highlights for me. Mm. love that what about you Jen well I took it as kind of more thinking about um kind of vocational journey I suppose so my the first thing that came to mind for me like the most enjoyable I suppose moment in my vocational journey when I first thought about it was actually I loved going to my back which is the bishop's advisory panel nowadays it's stage one stage two Mm. conversations yeah and it's weird and I I guess I'm I'm aware that there are some of our listeners are those who are kind of exploring ministry or calling vocation and actually everyone's like oh gosh those are the big meetings you know really intense like what people gonna think of you and yeah there is all that stuff but actually I remember that being such a joyful weekend and just really feeling like I could let go of things and Mm. just trust that whatever was going to happen was going to happen and whatever was to come was to come. Mm. Um, So that was a really enjoyable moment for me, which is a bit weird because yeah, not everyone has that experience. I guess I'm, yeah, obviously um, grateful for that in a way, but I think it, yeah, I think that was an important time as well for me. Um, and then since then, I have to say a bit of a Geraldine throwback thinking to episode one, the licensing service to my parish here in EB was honestly one of the happiest like moments of my life full stop. And I, there was like a few times where I was like, I wonder if this will be like something of heaven. It was just like, like in the choir stalls, like loads of priests and deacons and, people that had like that I knew on my journey like amazing people of God and then in the congregation like amazing people of God in like you know the parish and everyone's just singing their hearts out and it was such a feeling of joy and obviously that was more like you know I, I was very aware of it because I was so happy like everyone else was, might have been having a nice time but it was their normal life but for me I was like wow this is so much fun and I have to say yeah that was I think one of my for sure my most enjoyable moments to date um, and I think in the day-to-day ministry, um, baptism of adults or baptism preparation of adults. Oh my goodness. So many like joyful moments with kind of talking about faith with people, unpacking it and just like, ah, oh, watching people realise that God is real. Oh, yeah. so good. There is a brilliant photo of Jenny at her licensing holding the key to yeah. her church oh, and if we can find that, yeah. I think that needs to go on our socials oh. this week. <laughs> I can recreate it for you. 
<laughs> yeah, it's great. We'll find that. Um, <laughs> Kate, have you got anything then that you thought of? Yeah, so um, I think in terms of a podcast, I think one of the most enjoyable things for me was when I sat down with my archdeacon, kind of doing my You've Been Here Six Months, and I'd kind of recently started this podcast. And like I was expecting him to tell me off like for wasting my time on like, this thing that wasn't my job. And he was so excited for me and so Aww, encouraging. And my really diocese lovely. has been so behind like this project and so excited about it. Um, like so really in Hereford. Yeah, yeah, I think he dies in nice. Hereford. Um, but then I guess in my actual ministry, um, in the past year, one of my most enjoyable things was um, the uh, priesthood ordination of our deanery curate oh, and joining yeah, in with a scrum to lie, yeah. lay hands on her. Yeah, beautiful moment. Um, and then just every baptism I've ever done. Mm. Every baptism I've ever done is mm. at that point the most, the best part of my, my ministry and every communion I've ever done. I think mm. this speaks a lot to my own theology of sacramental ministry where I think in that moment I am uniting with the eternal beyond time. Um, oh, and uniting beautiful. With so yeah, every communion I, I lead, every blessing I do, every yeah. baptism for me, that's, um, yeah the best moment of my ministry. It's really cool, isn't it? I think to spot in ministry, where do I feel most like myself? Or like, where do I feel most like I'm doing this for God? Um, I had a moment of that singing, shouting out the Peruvian Gloria the other week. I was like, singing out my little face and I was like, wow, I feel so much like me. Yeah, I was praising <laughs> in the glory. But you're right, I love that phrase you use, Kate. I think that's so beautiful. Mm. Very good. What about for you, Bambury Gibbons. You think, uh, okay, I feel like I need to think of a ministry. Uh, uh, as you've just been talking, Oh, Kate, sorry, yeah. Um, yeah, presiding at the Eucharist is magical. Um, uh, but specific moments, I'm thinking as well. Um, I was able to be in the scrum t- for my spouse to help mm. priest them and to lay hands on my <gasps> spouse was, That's cool. was wonderful. And another personal one is baptising my own son was, oh. yeah. That was stressful because I'm like, I've got to lose a service. And then at the moment where it came to it, I was like, blubber deck, what a privilege to do this. So mm. that's very personal things. Yeah. yeah. And there's so many of those moments where you can't remember them now, but you have suddenly like, you just have a sudden like, oh, this is amazing. This yeah. This just happened. Yeah. And you rush to tell someone that this amazing thing is just Yeah, happened. that's um, true. Yeah. That is the mental highs that you were saying about as well, Kate. Mm. Like, they're so high, it's like you're never going to come down highs. This job really is, like, as much as we've talked about how stressful it can be. That's the best. It's just Mm. sublime as well. Yeah, it's true. It's It's true. Next question. Here is a bit of a juicy one then. Uh, Outside of the persons of the Trinity, who is your favourite Bible person? Caitlin. I have a dramatic answer and one Whoa. which is probably a little bit more honest. Um, <laughs> so my dramatic answer is Jael or Jael. Yes! Um, Tempeg through the year of her oppressor. Um, <laughs> yes, best answer if anyone tells you you need to be embrace biblical womanhood. Okay, good. Hand me the, te- hand me the tent peg then. Yeah. <laughs> I shall embrace biblical womanhood on you I depicted right now. this in the form of pizza, which is again, yeah. I will find that picture. Uh, because jail's a badass. <laughs> yes. Um, That's probably amazing. the more honest, meaningful answer is um, 
Ruth for a while. Um, I like what? Ruth, what? the the, the uh, biblical character, oh, meant rude. an awful lot to me. Um, yeah. Maybe it's more Mary now, but there's something about the way that God uses women, not just mm. to um, smite the oppressor, which God does do actually through a number of women, because um, female rage is is divine. Um, but um, actually, how God works through women's experiences whether that's um, through the complete upheaval of your life and circumstances as those people who have power over you change, as we see in Ruth, um, and how you are devoted and make your choices about what you believe in your difficult circumstances to reveal something of God's goodness and God's kingdom. Mm. but also sort of as through Mary, how God redeems and reveals God's self um, through us and chooses the least likely people in the society that they're in to change the world. By Mary, you're referring to Mary, mother of Jesus. That Mary. Every Mary. Every Mary. <laughs> every Mary. As I said, pretty much every woman in the Bible <laughs> is my favourite. Um, Mary, Aww. mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene, Mary of Bethany. They're all good. All the Marys. I love them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <that's lovely. laughs> I, I was going to go for Mary. Uh, Mary Mags, I'll go for. Mm-hmm. And her, her passion for the Lord and... Uh, she's a, a, a person who has been much maligned by the blokes later on in the centuries mm. and called her a prostitute. She wasn't a prostitute, uh, but we just had this woman who's this amazing disciple who leads uh, mm. people to faith. And so we had to find a flaw in her because, you know, she can't do that. And I love that when Mary encounters Jesus on that Easter Sunday, um, after um, he's been resurrected and... Um, she's been the faithful one who stayed there Mm. at the tomb and she's the one who is mourning and she's the Mm. one who sticks around and Mm. and then she meets the lord and she runs off to tell people and she just says i've seen the lord like she Mm. hasn't got her atonement theory sorted out she doesn't understand (laughs) it all but all she knows Mm. is she's seen she's Mm. seen the lord and she has to go tell people and so mary mags is an absolute babe and uh, I'm going to go for the disciples as well, uh, and I know that's a collective as um, all of them, <laughs> all that. of them as uh, comic relief sometimes yeah. <laughs> in bits of the gospels, mm. where do you know what they mess up and they get things wrong? But goodness me, what a place to be, uh, what a mm. privilege to be, and they're just so like us in so many mm. ways, and I think that's great. How about you, Jenny? Mm. My answer is small and humble, much like my character. This is the first one that came to mind. If I'd Sorry. given it more time, I might have come up, I might have come up with somebody else. But um, John 6, the little boy who gives us lunch. Yes. I know that's weird and yes. maybe really small and insignificant. Don't even know his name. And actually, to be honest, if you read John 6, I think it's like the beginning few verses... It doesn't even sound like he gave his lunch. It sounds like his lunch was spotted by the disciples and then removed <laughs> from him. Are the disciples schoolyard yeah. bullies? 
<laughs> yeah, Give I, me know, I really money. try not to read it like that, although I am aware that there could actually there could be a very comedic, funny retelling of this. So for mm. any creatives listening, you might want to have a go at that. Please Russ. send it in to us if you do it. Yeah. I'll, I'll pay um, him for answering atonement theory. Yeah. Russ. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A funny retelling of John Six, the beginning few verses. Mm. But yeah, his generosity, his tiny offering is one which feeds five thousand, probably mm. plus women and children. Plus has 12 baskets left over. Just beautiful. And he's a teenager. Mm. Mm. He's a kid and that's great. Yeah. And we need to listen to kids and teenagers. I did a sermon once where I retold it and I talked about um, fish finger sandwiches oh, and, and, and how... Um, feet how like it's it's like the equivalent of taking a kid's fish finger sandwich <laughs> and feeding a whole crowd with a fish finger sandwich amazing modern equivalent loaves and fishes we got another question about how do we relax or switch off or when uh, we've got a proper day off and mm. in uh clergy allowances where we're given 24 hours to switch off uh, it feels a bit like that question from Miss Congeniality of describe your perfect date. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, okay, what's, what's your perfect 24 hours off? My perfect date starts with sleep. Yeah. And it continues with sleep. <laughs> and it ends with sleep. <laughs> no, um, uh, to switch off, uh, you'll probably find me in my free time if I'm properly switched off. I'll be playing a computer game. Mm. Uh most recently been playing Pokemon Violet um, or I'll be um, drawing, doing art, um, something creative or um, playing tabletop role-playing games. Um, I've got a bunch of friends we meet once a month online to play, it's like Dungeons and Dragons except we're not playing Dungeons and Dragons at the moment. Um, Or um, I like to read a lot, particularly bad fan fiction. I think I've mentioned this before. I'm currently yeah. on a Star Wars fanfic uh, <gasps> kick, um, and enjoying that. So there we go. That's Sounds what great. I do to relax. What do you do to do relax, Jenny? Well, for me, here are a few of my favourite things. I think. Please that... sing it if you're introducing <laughs> it. It's one of my favourite things. Here are a few of my favourite things. Oh, that was pitchy. Sorry. <laughs> I like to read a good book in bed with a cup of tea. Oh gosh, is that I like it? to go for a walk with my doggy. His name is Henry. <laughs> um, I basically, I often find, thank you, thank you. With my day mm. off, I'm usually pretty emotionally drained after the week. I love a bit of recovery time for a day off. Mm. So bed, cup of tea, like no, what I love the most is waking up and not having anything in the diary. I feel like my mm. mind then can mm. properly just do what it needs to do. So similar to Kate, I love a bit of sleep some creative times i've um, started taking up embroidery i'm really bad i just follow the pattern that's like laid out for me but learning new kind of stitches um that's something i love walking henry like going for coffee and reading a book um if i was really going to treat myself um going for a massage actually would be one of my favorite things yeah um or having a bath which is you know not as expensive um lighting loads of candles just creating an atmosphere of peace deliciousness um and then maybe a takeaway and a film is a special treat as well love it i've got a question for you do you not find you said you said you walk henry 
your dog. Mm. Um, in case, in case, in case people parish. didn't know that Henry's your dog and not oh. your husband. Oh, yeah. Do you do it in the parish? Because I find when I'm I with leave Lily, the parish, yeah. Um, I I do it in the parish and I always end up talking to people. Yeah, and I agree. And I think that's lovely for every single day. And actually, I believe that God should be interrupting our walks and stuff with the people that bring to us. And actually just living in community, like you say, it's one of those privileges that you know people and you do get good chats. But yeah, on a day off, I I just like to shut down totally from everything and everyone else in the world. Just come back to my own still centre and yeah, my favourite thing to do is uh, there's a few local parks and areas around. Get a coffee, walk around the lake, just totally switch off, not worry about anything else. And um, yeah, I find it very restorative. I'm going to give two scenarios because uh, as people who listen, who are owners of small humans know that <laughs> days off with small humans might look slightly different to mm. days off on your own. So um, if uh, it's a, a whole gang all together. It's nice to go for a walk or um, to do something to to get out and about. But also, do you know what? Sometimes it's nice to just have a lazy day and just yeah. watch things on Disney and that kind of thing. And um, other people hate them. I love soft play because actually I'm a big oh, kid yeah. and I just want to go play in the soft play. But it's also a great way to exhaust a toddler. <laughs> so um, I love doing things like that. I love going seeing family and friends and, and doing that mm. sort of thing on um, on days off. Um, if it was just me on my own or me and my spouse and there wasn't a small human and a dog to, to deal with... Um, who, just to be clear, I love them dearly, but sometimes mm. it's nice to have a break. Um, Amen. I mm. I love pub culture. I love just hanging out in the pub and meeting a stranger and having a chat and um, just sitting and enjoying a pint and whether you're talking to the people that you're with or... Um, I used to love going on Sunday evenings after church when I was at college. I'd go to the local pub and watch the American football because I love American football. Oh, um, you do. But, <laughs> there were people, I think they thought I'd been stood up on a date and things like that because it's very weird for a woman mm. to sit on their own in the pub in in Britain. It's it's not a very done thing. Mm. Um, but I think, yeah, watching some sport would, would mm. be part of it. Uh, sleeping and PJs and mm. nice food and all that. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Coziness. Yeah. Mm, that lovely. sounds like a good day off. That's a really cool yeah. answer. I like so, that. Something else I like to do, it's not quite day off, I just do it whenever I can because it, it gives me fun and energy, is either think about ridiculous things. I watch lots of video essays, but I like to think about ridiculous things and take things far too far to, like, too far to their logical con- conclusions and then text Ruthie about them. <laughs> <laughs> hey, is it your day off? I just want to... Uh, yeah, it's great. Like, I love interrupt it. <laughs> so, so Ruthie will randomly get a text from me that says, I've been thinking about house elves. Um, yeah, and, oh, and how, this is the most recent one <laughs> and how really the best way to ap- approach them should have been rather than the terrible kind of slaves who want to be slaves thing that we got um that they are um magic vampires and they feed off human magical energy and therefore um by living uh with wizarding families it's like a, a symbiotic relationship anyway so i think oh. about those things but i also um, find things like on tiktok like my favorite one at the moment is apparently um anything that's written in free verse like so a lot of emily dickinson's poems poems apparently written 
uh, in Freeverse fit to the tune of a Pokemon themed theme song. What? Um, so here is because I could not stop for death. Because I could not stop for death. He kindly stopped for me. Bow, 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 the carriage help but just ourselves and immortality. So he drove, he knew no haste. I had put away. And it goes on. Basically, so this is going to be my new thing. Wow. Amazing. It reminds me of another thing I do to switch off, and that is turn off my phone. There you go, dark. Go dark. But I love that. I love that for you guys. That's great. Our next question is, who would win in a fight between hosts? Oh, I have a theory. never fight each other. I have a theory for this. And um, yeah, I I thought about this one probably the most of all the questions. (laughs) (laughs) So in a fight between me, Kate and Jenny, I think it depends on the kind of fight. So if it was a battle of wits, Kate would wipe the floor with me and Jenny yeah. because she would say something and our minds would explode because we, we would have to Google <laughs> what it what it meant. Okay? So a battle of wits, Kate wins. Mm. If it's brawn, Jenny, I think you could take me in a fight. Because, I don't think I could. Well, you've got your... Well, let me come to this. Okay, okay, um, okay. Kate, I'm, I'm sorry, a battle of brawn... You're My body's handicapped. falling apart. Like yeah. that's, oh, I'm I'm scrappy, oh. but I'm gonna last last like a minute tops, and then I'm gonna be on the floor crying. <laughs> so I think Jenny yeah. would have the power to take mm. on and win a battle, but Jenny would not have the mental ability to do it because Jenny's too nice, and it would just not be able to fight. Despite the fact that I think if Jenny wanted to, she could punch my lights out. Um, Do you think, oh, that makes me feel really powerful. Therefore, (laughs) in a a scrappy battle, I think I would win. I think you would win. Because I haven't got the compassion of Jenny. I think, no, you do, you do. I think you are driven. I think Mm. I've got a surprising amount of rage that the Holy Spirit dealt with when I was about 14, 15, but could come back out. Mm. Not against you guys, but say it was me versus the devil, I would for sure Mm. win. Oh, yeah, bring it on. But this is between the hosts, so you do your Jenny rage just in place. Mm. And then I just... Yeah, you see, but then... (laughs) I'm going to come in with a dark horse. Um, would I um, be play on the fact that you're going to expect me to essentially have a dislocated arm immediately and therefore, like, I'm on the floor crying and suddenly I jump up and while you're um, wow. celebrating... <laughs> just <laughs> Maybe, maybe. Feel like a spaniel. Yeah. <laughs> just whimper and then... Because although, although my joints dislocate, I have a very high pain tolerance... i've just got a sudden thought we just need to make those little you know like pokemon game cards for ourselves and put this to the test i think yeah Yeah. or like Um, top trumps or something like that yeah yeah good question thanks for that question lovely listener (laughs) fab so our next question then how has the vicar of dibley helped you share your faith I think this is a really interesting question because I think the Vicar of Dibley gives a background for people to latch onto when you talk about faith. So mm. when people find out that we're part of the God Squad um, and uh, are in um, wear a dog collar, they go, oh, you're like the Vicar of Dibley. Mm-hmm. And that's their reference point for people. And that's how I think um, I've been able to talk about faith when mm. people have gone, oh, you're like Jerry. And gone, yes, I am just as funny mm. as Dawn French. Thank mm. you very much. 
lunch. Yes. <laughs> and that's been yeah. a the kind of in way to, to talk about it, I would say. Yeah. I think there's definitely that. And when people say, oh, is is your job anything like the Vicar of Dibley? Or, oh, when I've just talked about something, oh, like that episode from the Vicar of Dibley. So there's that. But then also, I mean, I directly plagiarised Geraldine for my Christmas sermon. Like, I mean, not like... <laughs> I mean, Did I you get really drunk? Of... No, I, I, <laughs> I, I lifted <laughs> some of that wonderful summary mm. that she does of the mm. gospel in, yeah. in the Nativity episode. Yeah. And I, I repurposed it and rewrote it, rewrote it slightly um, to kind of fit more with my style and what I was actually saying. It was, it was kind of tagged to the end of my carol service sermon mm. that I reused. But yeah, no, I... I nice. and, and lots of my ideas for ministry sort of can be inspired by things that you see in the show as well yeah. want to do an animal service that would be really cool mm. want, I'm, go- I'm going to do a live nativity like a staged <gasps> um, like people outdoor nativity at some point on one of yeah, my I'd love yards. to do that so Great. yeah so thanks Brilliant. Richard Curtis mm. for helping us tell yeah, people about Jesus yeah. <laughs> yeah it all worked out uh, another question we got asked which is uh, very poignant, I think, to all of us. And uh, we got asked, "Is why can prayer feel so hard?" Mm. So, like, there's like for the answer of why is prayer hard, which is because it's a discipline, and because it's not very rarely like are you going to feel like it's a full conversation between you and God. It is a conversation, but not in the way that we're used to. It's about meditation and calming and emptying the self. Um, And there's a whole, you know, there's so many different theories about prayer and how you enter prayer. Um, Basically, there's lots of different ways to pray. And I think sometimes it feels hard to pray because we're trying to conform to a version of prayer which doesn't come naturally to us interesting um, that can be and, yeah and that's not to say that we shouldn't keep pushing forward with the discipline of prayer but actually there is no shame in saying actually for me it's more easy to enter a prayer state as it were by doing some art and doing something creative mm. listening to some worship music spending time in silence maybe you prefer spending time in silence what you find difficult is praying out loud you know, there's so many different ways to pray. Um, for me, I just need to change things up, you know? Mm. I, so, sometimes yeah. I need one thing, sometimes I need another. And the important thing is that you keep praying. And even if the only thing you do for prayer today is say the Lord's Prayer, mm. that is such a powerful thing to do. Join in with the prayers of the whole church throughout all of history, all of our church's history. By mm. saying the Lord's Prayer. Mm. Um, and you never know, the more you do it, the more you get used to it and the more natural it becomes. Mm. Yeah, I think that's right. I think flexing some change can be really helpful. As Kate's mentioned, like uh, writing, drawing, uh, painting while maybe listening to worship music or after reading the Bible or going for a walk and just consciously mm. like imagining holding Jesus's hand or him being there or talking, you know, to God as you walk intentionally and trying not to get distracted. 
Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. Talking and praying to icons, I think, can be really helpful, like actually looking at something to inspire prayer or lighting a candle. If you're finding it really tough, I think even like setting a timer on your phone and being like, I'm going to sit here for five minutes and just be open to listening or just to pour out what's on my heart is a great thing. Mm -hmm. And as Kate said, it is a discipline. Mm -hmm. And it is really, sometimes it is really hard, but enjoy it, like get creative with it. Um, you know, there's apps, wouldn't I have plugged already, mm -hmm. Lectio 365, great way to start and end the day to, with if you want something to input. Um, but, it, you know, you can pray as you run, you can pray as you wash mm -hmm. up, you can pray walking the dog. Um, and that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. um, it is hard, but I think one thing I would add to Kate's recommendation as well is that God absolutely, like the Father's heart is for us to come before him and to be honest and open and to rejoice and just enjoy being in his presence. So mm. I think banish any sense of guilt if you can from your prayer life and how you do it and what works mm. for you and just know God's delight. And may that be the draw rather than yeah. like, I don't know, feeling bad or guilty. Um, mm. Just enjoy that time. It's it's never going to be wasted time and probably mm. the most like the best thing we'll do with our day that's what I often find I'm like oh I can't be bothered and then I do it and I'm like oh my gosh everything's changed yeah and you um, know prayer doesn't have to look for you the same that it looks like for everyone else yeah prayer can be as you're walking around the house having a rant you know about your day directing that to God mm. and trusting that God is hearing you and transforming you in the process um Prayer can be so many different things. Like, just if you have in your head this image of the ascetic monk sitting in the desert or in a cave, like, enduring prayer, <laughs> um, and, you know, going to the extremes of those Celtic northern saints standing in the North Sea, you know, and enduring on behalf of prayer, that is a form of prayer and if it doesn't work for you you really do not need don't feel guilty like mm -hmm. that's not the season you're in that's just not what your relationship with god looks like um the prayer, just talk to god however you feel most comfortable and just know you're not alone as well. Yeah. Like, mm. I'm going through a stage where I find prayer, mm. like, impossible. I find it really hard mm. at the moment. And, um, yeah, you're not alone in that mm. at all. Mm. Yeah, thanks for that. If you're in Hereford Diocese, we've currently got a year of prayer and we've got resources available and different um, days and conferences you can join in. So if you're in Hereford Diocese or nearby, please do come along to some of our training days and, and prayer experiences. <laughs> Hashtag not Other sponsored. Other diocesan schemes are available. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've got one final question. Mm. One final question! Kate, mm. what is it? And answer it. Have we written to Dawn Fraser? <laughs> What's the question and answer it? Um, the question is, um, we got this on Twitter. Have we written to Dawn French? And um, how much have we written to her? When is she going to Where is join she? us? Why hasn't she been Where on our podcast yet? Um, Give us a, Dawn. Give a, us a Dawn. Couple, a, couple <laughs> a couple of months ago, Dawn French followed us on Twitter. And actually, Amazing. that was not... I should, we should have mentioned that as... One of the highlights. That was the highlight. That was the <laughs> highlight. Really. I mean, that's that, the only goal That's my we life had, really. completely made. Um, yeah. Dawn French. Um, and because Twitter's in um, a, a late stage capitalist nightmare hellscape at the moment and, and about uh, seemingly about to collapse, um, we took the shot. We tweeted um, Gerald, Geraldine. <laughs> we, we tweeted Dawn um, 
saying how much we love her and you know asking if she'd ever wanted to be on our trying podcast. not to be creepy by the Seeing way if she'd followed her us as we, she'd yeah. followed us yeah she made she the, first, the first step guys she, um, first step. she took the first step um which was but great also image. um sent her a direct message by twitter um she did respond quite quickly actually it was um, so lovely and she said thank mm. you appreciate it um but i'm all podcasted out at the moment but truly love you guys. Stay in touch. Oh, I got a fresh wave of joy. Oh. Yeah, I mean, it's a real... That, that is... I'm glad that, I can't believe we haven't shared that with our beloved listeners already. Yeah, so we so, did um, We did try. Yeah. And we, we did who try. Knows who knows what the future holds? I mean, who knows? Who knows? You don't know. Um, and one thing I thought maybe we could very quickly talk about is what we're thinking of doing with the podcast for the next year. Yeah. Um, maybe we revisit maybe no. we revisit the idea of trying to get Dawn French. Um if you don't know, there is a limited number of episodes of the Vicar of Dibley. So in about six months we're probably gonna run out of Vicar of Dibley content. Um as well as you know, and that's including all the um comic relief specials, which we know they're not as popular in terms of people listening to our episodes which are focused on the non- main episode vicar of dibley content um and you know maybe we can stretch things out by also again including other tv vickers which we also know that's that's not our brand that's not what you come here for um but we'd really love it if you could tell us what you think we should do you know because we'd love to keep going we don't want to just finish once we've done the last episode from vicar of dibley otherwise um, we'll never talk to each other ever again <laughs> <laughs> our friendship relies on you guys to decide what we do next <laughs> Ooh, we're um, crossing a boundary of being a little bit needy here right? <laughs> but, so, but yeah let us know give us give it let us know what you what you want to hear us do mm, you yeah. know because be we could keep throwing stuff at the wall you know keep trying stuff but you know we want this to be a collaboration with you guys yeah and if no one's gonna listen to it then you know it might come to a point that we go this ends and that's okay but it might yeah, be like yeah. we need to uh that maybe there's another um tv series that we would mm. go through uh in more detail or who knows um so please do ask us mm. and let us know yeah. and maybe one day part of our plans for the future might involve uh chatting to the wonderful dawn french and yeah. uh going and and trying to be cool about it. Yeah. Like, oh, that'd be a, vaguely cool. Would we work. be able to? Maybe we need to go to one of her shows and um, accost her with love. Accost <laughs> her with love. We'll That's how we get restraining order, saying, Jenny. It's us. It's us. <laughs> you must about fangirls. <laughs> yeah, handy P. Yes, and on the note of t-shirts, we may have created a, a slight Twitter storm, didn't we? <laughs> well, a slight social media storm of people getting overexcited. Uh, um, yeah. because we shared a photo of a t-shirt that the wonderful Kate designed who in our recording is wearing one right now mm. um, we're not bringing out merch specifically um, sorry to disappoint you mm. uh, if that's something because uh, I think part of us feels that we're a very small operation we, <laughs> we're not worthy of merch yet when we, when we get to the first yeah. thousand uh, different listeners oh, do you know I actually really disagree with this I think the small people are the loyal people. They deserve to be clothed in VWD. We have a plan. We have a plan. So, um, I so yeah, I designed a t-shirt. It's based on inspired by um, t-shirts which Geraldine and Alice wore 
in um, one of the recent episodes we did. It was one of the Christmas ones. We loved it so much, we wanted to get ones like it. Um, so I, I drew a version of it. Um, and we printed them for a company called Rapa Nui, who are a, a cyclical fashion company, a kind of uh, recycled cotton, um, kind of eco-conscious fashion uh, company. I can sh- we can share the link um, so that if you want to buy this T-shirt directly from Rapa Nui, you can do that. We won't get any <laughs> get money it from it. Get it and post it to us. But, post but it if to you your want pictures. To, if you, yeah, want to, if yeah. you want to match with us, want to be twinsies with Please us. Please do. Um, yeah, we'll share. We'll share. We'll share we, would, we would love and share your pictures. Yeah. Well, I mm. think then that kind of brings us to a close of this episode. We've had so much fun and I hope you have discovered along the way that we always close with a joke and um, a comment says bless you for listening and on that note I think all of us wanted to just express at our year anniversary um, how grateful we are and how much we are blessed by Mm. your listening so for your questions for your journeying with us through your comments your emails your posts your likes, uh, all of um, the, the ways that you connect with us. We are so grateful for. We enjoy and read everything that you send in. And also, like, we're keen to be here for you. So thank you for listening to us. Uh, bless you in your listening. Bless you in your own journeys and walks of faith mm-hmm. and enjoyment of the Vicar of Dibley. Mm-hmm. And uh, here we come in our next year. Uh, I wonder mm-hmm. what God will do in and through us. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Vicar's Watch Dibley. Thank you to Toby for editing our ramblings. Any views expressed in this podcast are our own and don't necessarily represent those of the Church of England or any other organisations with which we are affiliated. And as always, bless you for listening. What do they serve at birthday parties in heaven? Um, Angel cake. Angel cake! That's cute.